Old Lanscombe moved totteringly from room to room, pulling up the blinds. Now and then he peered with screwed-up, roomy eyes through the windows. Soon they would be coming back from the funeral. He shuffled along a little faster. There were so many windows. Enderby Hall was a vast Victorian house built in the Gothic style. In every room the curtains were of rich, faded brocade or velvet. Some of the walls were still hung with faded silk. In the green drawing-room the old butler glanced up at the portrait above the mantelpiece of old Cornelius Abernethy, for whom Enderby Hall had been built. Cornelius Abernethy's brown beard stuck forward aggressively. His hand rested on a terrestrial globe, whether by desire of the sitter or as a symbolic conceit on the part of the artist, no one could tell. A very forceful-looking gentleman, so old Lanscombe had always thought, and was glad that he himself had never known him personally. Mr. Richard had been his gentleman. A good master, Mr. Richard, and taken very sudden he'd been, though of course the doctor had been attending him for some little time. Ah, but the master had never recovered from the shock of young Mr. Mortimer's death. The old man shook his head as he hurried through a connecting door into the white boudoir. Terrible that had been, a real catastrophe. Such a fine, upstanding young gentleman, so strong and healthy. You'd never have thought such a thing likely to happen to him. Pitiful it had been, quite pitiful. And Mr. Gordon killed in the war, one thing on top of another. That was the way things went nowadays. Too much for the master it had been. And yet he'd seemed almost himself a week ago. The third blind in the white boudoir refused to go up as it should. It went up a little way and stuck. The springs were weak. That's what it was. Very old these blinds were, like everything else in the house. And you couldn't get these old things mended nowadays. Too old-fashioned, that's what they'd say, shaking their heads in that silly, superior way, as if the old things weren't a great deal better than the new ones. He could tell them that. Jim-crack, half the new stuff was, came to pieces in your hands. The material wasn't good, or the craftsmanship either. Oh, yes, he could tell them. Couldn't do anything about this blind unless he got the steps. He didn't like climbing up the steps much these days. Made him come over giddy. Anyway, he'd leave the blind for now. It didn't matter, since the white boudoir didn't face the front of the house where it would be seen as the cars came back from the funeral, and it wasn't as though the room was ever used nowadays. It was a lady's room, this, and there hadn't been a lady at Enderby for a long time now. A pity Mr. Mortimer hadn't married, always going off to Norway for fishing and to Scotland for shooting and to Switzerland for those winter sports, instead of marrying some nice young lady and settling down at home with children running about the house. It was a long time since there had been any children in the house. And Lanscombe's mind went ranging back to a time that stood out clearly and distinctly, much more distinctly than the last twenty years or so, which were all blurred and confused, and he couldn't really remember who had come and gone, or indeed what they looked like. But he could remember the old days well enough. More like a father to those young brothers and sisters of his, Mr. Richard had been. Twenty-four when his father had died, and he'd pitched in right away to the business, going off every day as punctual as clockwork, and keeping the house running and everything as lavish as it could be. A very happy household, with all those young ladies and gentlemen growing up. Fights and quarrels now and again, of course, and those governesses have had a bad time of it. Poor-spirited creatures, governesses, 
Lanscombe had always despised them. Very spirited the young ladies had been, Miss Geraldine in particular, Miss Cora too, although she was so much younger, and now Mr. Leo was dead, and Miss Laura gone too, and Mr. Timothy such a sad invalid, and Miss Geraldine dying somewhere abroad, and Mr. Gordon killed in the war. Although he was the eldest, Mr. Richard himself turned out the strongest of the lot, outlived them all he had. At least not quite, because Mr. Timothy was still alive, and little Miss Cora, who'd married that unpleasant artist chap. Twenty-five years since he'd seen her, and she'd been a pretty young girl when she went off with that chap. Now he'd hardly have known her, grown so stout, and so arty-crafty in her dress. A Frenchman her husband had been, or nearly a Frenchman, and no good ever came of marrying one of them. But Miss Cora had always been a bit, well, simple, like you'd call it if she lived in a village, always one of them in a family. She'd remembered him all right. Why, it's Lanscombe, she'd said, and seemed ever so pleased to see him. Ah, they'd all been fond of him in the old days, and when there was a dinner party they'd crept down to the pantry, and he'd given them jelly and charlotte russe when he came out of the dining-room. They'd all known old Lanscombe, and now there was hardly anyone who remembered. Just the younger lot, whom he could never keep clear in his mind, and who just thought of him as a butler who'd been there a long time. A lot of strangers, he had thought, when they all arrived for the funeral, and a seedy lot of strangers at that. Oh, not Mrs. Leo. She was different. She and Mr. Leo had come here off and on ever since Mr. Leo married. She was a nice lady, Mrs. Leo, a real lady. Wore proper clothes, and did her hair well, and looked what she was, and the master had always been fond of her. A pity that she and Mr. Leo had never had any children. Lanscombe roused himself. What was he doing standing here and dreaming about old days with so much to be done? The blinds were all attended to on the ground floor now, and he told Janet to go upstairs and do the bedrooms. He and Janet and the cook had gone to the funeral service in the church, but instead of going on to the crematorium they had driven back to the house to get the blinds up and the lunch ready. A cold lunch, of course, it had to be. Ham and chicken and tongue and salad, with cold lemon souffle and apple tart to follow. Hot soup first. And he'd better go along and see that Marjorie had got it on ready to serve, for they'd be back in a minute or two now for certain. Lanscombe broke into a shuffling trot across the room. His gaze, abstracted and uncurious, just swept up to the picture over this mantelpiece. The companion portrait to the one in the green drawing-room. It was a nice painting of white satin and pearls. The human being round whom they were draped and clasped was not nearly so impressive. Meek features, a rosebud mouth, hair parted in the middle, a woman both modest and unassuming. The only thing really worthy of note about Mrs. Cornelius Abernethy had been her name, Coralie. For over sixty years after their original appearance, coral cornplasters and the allied coral foot preparations still held their own. Whether there had ever been anything outstanding about coral cornplasters nobody could say, but they had appealed to the public fancy. On a foundation of coral cornplasters there had arisen this neo-Gothic palace, its acres of gardens, and the money that had paid out an income to seven sons and daughters, and had allowed Richard Abernethy to die three days ago a very rich man. Looking into the kitchen with a word of admonition,